Hello everybody and welcome to season three of Be Kind, Please Rewind, a 90s movies podcast. It is January of 1992 and in the news this month, Tom Seaver is elected to the Hall of Fame. George H.W. Bush gets ill and vomits on the Japanese Prime Minister's lap. American serial killer Jeffrey Dahmer pleads guilty but insane. Mike Tyson goes on trial for rape. He's eventually found guilty. In Super Bowl XXVI, the Washington Redskins defeat the Buffalo Bills 37-24. The number one song of the month is Black or White by Michael Jackson. And the top three movies of the month are Juice, Shining Through, and The Hand That Rocks the Cradle. Welcome again to another episode of Be Kind, Please Rewind, a 90s movies podcast. Hello, everybody, and welcome again to another episode of Be Kind, Please Rewind, a 90s movie podcast. So this is not just a new episode. This is a new season. We are in season number three. Third season. Picked up again by our, uh, our yeah, we don't have, we don't have. Uh, Financiers? No. Our no, sponsor, us. us. <laughs> Sponsor, <laughs> sponsored by the three people hosting. <laughs> we, we keep the lights on ourselves. And we didn't introduce ourselves, so I'm Kevin. I'm Chris. And I'm Eric. Eric, are, do you have the courage to be uh, a host now, or are you still? I'm feeling a little host-like, baby. January 1992. I'm in. I'm in. Oh, that's right. We're in January of 1992. We have to mention that. This is uh, another disappointing month january where the powers that be just do not care about their their movie goers and put out any piece of shit that's been laying around it's time to just accept the fact that january is going to be miserable at least every year i guess right yeah so there's only eight wide releases this month i did all sorts of homework to make sure that i was accurate in the countdown that we're doing and we have eight really terrible movies if you guys have been getting upset about our long episodes as of late, well, you'll be happy to to know this is going to be a much shorter one. Yes. Yeah, Extremely definitely. short and to the point. And good thing I told you because you probably didn't see the time count on the episode when you clicked it. <laughs> yes. All right. So I guess we'll just get into this um, this disappointing. Well, I, I just have to point out, too, though, this is this is an important day. Because? Because... This is the first day that Eric will be part of an entire season. Ah, oh, nice. Good point, Chris. Yeah. That just got me jazzed up. Now I'm ready for a really good episode. Let's do this. <laughs> Come on. All right, Eric. All get right. into it. I'm into it. Coming in at number eight, Hard Promise, grossing $306,000. A comedy. I'll give you a hard promise. <laughs> Drama. <laughs> Okay, a man who doesn't like stable work environments has been away for too many years and finds out his wife is divorcing him and is planning to remarry. He comes home to confront her, trying to convince her not to get married, aided by the daughter who loves him despite his wandering ways. The couple finds out they still have feelings for each other but must decide how to best handle the contradiction of their lifestyles. The actors, Sissy Spacek, um, who is Missy Walters... Yeah, she was Misty Walters in The Help. Um, you have William Peterson, who Kevin will know was Pat Garrett in Young Guns yep. 2. Yeah, um, terrible actor. <laughs> yeah, he Wait, wasn't he the was, same guy who played Pat Garrett in the first one. No, no. Um, but he and, was the he's the he's the lead guy on uh, CSI. Yeah, yes, he, yeah. He, he somehow turned his his acting career into a paycheck. And well, good if for I'm him. not mistaken, he's also 
like a director or producer of CSI. So that's how he worked his way into being on the cast as well. And there's no one else in this movie of note. And that's number eight. I think this might be a common trend tonight. All right. Coming in at number seven, Into the Sun. Action comedy grossing $641,000. A fighter pilot is reluctantly paired with a Hollywood actor who's researching a role, but are then forced to team up for real after being shot down and thrust into combat. This stars Anthony Michael Hall. This is an 80s, yeah. 80s favorite. National Lampoon's Vacation, Breakfast Club, 16 Candles, Weird Science. Chris, we saw him in Edward Scissorhands. And I did not know he was in The Dark Knight. I still have no idea who he is in that movie. And he was in War Machine with Brad Pitt. He still has an active acting career. And I'm, I'm for some reason, very happy with that. Uh, <laughs> this <laughs> It's such a weird thing to be happy about. I don't know. I like the I like the kid. I'm glad that he's doing well. Directed by Fritz Kirsch, his only other uh, notable acting uh, directing credit is Children of the Corn. That's it. Coming in at number six, Love Crimes. This is a romance thriller earning two point three million dollars. A tough female district attorney is investigating a man who picks out women from public places by posing as a famous photographer, then takes pictures of them, then pushes on their submissive tendencies and takes advantage of them physically and financially. The trouble is that none of these women want to press charges because they feel fulfilled in some way by their encounter. The DA manages to meet him and finds herself in a similar situ situation as the other victims and has to come to grips with her own submissive desires. This sounds horrific. Right? It sounds like like this sounds like the most pointless movie you could possibly make. The person is what? Conflicted? That's the movie that you're making? Like I feel like I have like a I don't really know how I feel about what just happened. Like, but, all right, man. but also, if none of the women are pressing charges, how did the district attorney it said get said that they were conflicted. Like, yeah, well, and no. then the district attorney, that's like, that's like, oh, all these women got stuck in a bear trap walking down this path. So the DA walks down the same <laughs> path and gets stuck in a bear no, trap and didn't see it coming. But that's not even what I'm saying. How did the DA get involved if nobody's pressing charges? Like, where did they even come into the picture? <laughs> who knows it sounds like insane. a guy who does porn wanted to make a movie and this is what you got it's just my opinion it sounded like a Could bad be. porn yeah, it plot. sounds yeah you're right it sounds like one of those skinamax movies some right. guys some some director likes to to you know to film naked girls so he well, made this movie it was actually directed by lizzie borden she also directed working girls Oh, it's a she. Yeah, so oh. it sounds like she just likes. Well, you should should have said that before. Things. Now it changes like, the entire tone of what. what but this but is. I like where the conversation went because now it changes. But like that's what I anyone just, would I, think. I retract everything that I just no, said. No, because it doesn't change it. It's still that. Yeah. It's still what you thought. It has to be. I don't know. Nonsense. I'm, I'm confused. Just because now, it's and a I've woman director, Kevin, movie. it doesn't change the tone of the movie. A crappy, bad-sounding, pornish type movie. Yeah. By yeah. the way, it stars nobody you give a damn about. Okay. Actually, it's, it stars a woman named Sean Young. Her name is Sean. I still don't know what it is. That doesn't help. What did you have to say that for? That didn't Cause, help. Because her name is Sean. <laughs> All right. Coming oh, in at number. Name. Coming in at number five, <laughs> Eric. Yeah, buddy. Coming in at number five, Free Jack, grossing seventeen million dollars in action crime sci-fi. Now listen to this. An auto racer, Alex Furlong, Emilio Estevez, is snatched by time travelers a split second before a fatal explosion by Visendak, Mick Jagger. 
21st, yeah, Mick Jagger, uh, who is a 21st century like bounty hunter. He plans to sell his body to an ailing rich man for a mind transfer. He escapes but has no rights in the nightmarish future of violence and sleaze. The story concerns his survival and his attempt to revive his relationship with his fiance, Julie, who's actually Rene Russo, now 50 years later. Uh, this takes place in the year 2009. I, so I, I so this is this like, movie. yeah, it's whack. But um, the director's Jeff Murphy, uh, Jeff Murphy, he did Under Siege. He had the second unit director credits for Dante's Peak, Lord of the Rings, and Young Guns 2. The star. Mark Evanson. Yeah, well. Second second unit is that gets no respect from me. So. Right, right. <laughs> but there were actually some pretty big titles, so I threw it in there. Uh, Emilio, Although I have to admit, I have no idea what the second unit director does. Yeah, you just spit that knowledge out like you knew what you were talking about. Well done. Well done. <laughs> uh, the stars are Emilio Estevez from Young Guns, Men at Work, and The Mighty Ducks. Mick Jagger from The Rolling Stones, who actually has 17 acting credits. Rene Russo did Major League, Tin Cup, Ransom, and uh, The Avengers. And Anthony Hopkins makes an appearance here, who had just done Silence of the Lambs and was also in The Avengers. This movie had Razzies all over it, and Anthony Hopkins actually was quoted as calling it a terrible film. So I watched a trailer of this movie, and it looked like one of them cheesy, bad graphic, futuristic sci-fi movies from the 90s. Um, and, and none of the actors really appreciated the movie and thought the director did an awful job. Some see the, these are the types of movies though that you have to have grown up with and watched on cable television a hundred times to appreciate. Because if you didn't, then you know it's one of those movies you've never seen before. Which I've never seen this one. I'm an Emilio Estevez fan, but this is just one that was never on my radar. So that's what I'm saying. Though, when doing the research and I first started by reading who was in the movie, I'm like, how have I never heard of this movie? And then I watched the trailer and heard the reviews. And I'm like, that's why I've never heard of this movie. And there's way too many names in this movie for it to be this. Like, I don't think it's good. that unknown though. I I I've heard of this movie before, so it did all right considering the month. Like, it did 17 million, right? So, I guess there was just the names. I I, I kind of want to see because it it's just the most ridiculous premise I've ever heard. So, coming in at number four, Cuffs, grossing 19.6 million dollars, an action comedy. George Cuffs didn't finish high school, just lost his job and his girlfriend, who's still in college and pregnant. Since he can't see how to support her, he thinks she's better off without him. So he goes to visit his elder brother Brad to squeeze him for a loan so he could go to Brazil where there's a, quote, gold rush going on. Unfortunately, Brad is killed and George is suddenly the owner of Brad's patrol special district. Whatever all that stuff means, it stars Christian Slater... Mila Jovovich, which I always thought it was Djokovic, but that's the tennis player. Player, excuse me. So this is Mila Jovovich. She's the girl from Fifth Element. She's also in Zoolander and Resident Evil. Directed by Bruce A. Evans, who directed a real—I guess I don't know—I don't know if I can say obscure, but lesser-known Kevin Costner movie called Mr. Brooks, where he plays a hitman, which I've is actually it. a pretty good movie. Yeah, it's decent. And he's a writer on Stand By Me, and I'll bring it up every time I can. He's a writer on Cutthroat Island, which, again, bankrupted the uh, production company Carolco. You love to talk about it's it. It's my favorite, my favorite, 
favorite, favorite fact of maybe all of Hollywood <laughs> is that this one movie bankrupted the entire studio. And it was a decent-sized studio. But we've yeah, they had great this. movies prior we've to that. About this stuff, so we don't need to go into it. But, all, right. all right. I mean, it sounds like a movie. <laughs> yeah, it sounds like people people acted, somebody directed. <laughs> people might have even enjoyed it. I don't know. It They probably it made a couple dollars. Yeah. People right. went to see it. Some people didn't. <laughs> <laughs> well said well said all right and that's it and that's, that's it, it. That are we into top the top three, baby top three that's it that was quick that's quick and painless yeah actually pretty painful i gotta be honest that's the way i like it coming in at number three earning 20.1 million dollars juice oh, here it comes. we went from the cops we went from security guards like i'm on the damn track team if you want respect, you gotta earn it. You gotta be ready to go down, stand up, and die for that stuff if you want to, Juke. Check this out. It's gonna be a piece of cake, Q. Yeah, man, it'll be a piece of cake. We go in, right before 11, get the loot, and jet. I got a DJ Saturday night, you know what I'm saying? I'm not trying to miss that for nobody. GQ! I hold on to the gun. Why should he hold on to the gun? Because I already got it! Hey, Shoot him, man. Move. I want to ask you boys some questions. Did you leave the club at any time tonight? You're mixed up in it, aren't you? I think Bishop lost it, man. Who killed him? I'm the one y'all need to be worried about. Hey, yo, man. If you didn't do nothing, then you got nothing to worry about. No killed him. Do him in if I have to. So this is a movie that I grew up with. I'm glad that this is here on on the podcast because I haven't seen this movie in its entirety in probably 20 years, and I enjoyed watching it. I've never seen this movie. Um, I didn't enjoy the first half of this movie, but you yelled at me and told me to stick with it, and then after that, I really enjoyed this movie. I texted you. Riverside, motherfucker. Yeah, you did. And then, and then, not ten minutes later. Well, actually, I looked, but when I finally saw the text, like two seconds later, that, that happened. Yeah, I've never heard of this movie either, and um, never heard of. No, it? I've definitely not, heard of this movie. I wasn't into this stuff when I was a kid, man. I, didn't, I wasn't into this type of genre. You guys are all. Sli- you guys are both slightly younger than me too, and I was balls deep in the hip-hop culture when i was Dude, a kid. 10 months younger than you i i really didn't grow up in a different generation i guess you're right you're right i don't know you weren't into hip-hop like i was <laughs> I, I wasn't into hip-hop until i was like in junior high this was way after this yeah, the hip-hop culture never really hit me um i've just always been into country music it's kind of the polar opposite todd you think i was in the heavy metal in new york time i grew i grew up hunting and fishing you know like so it kind of fits. <laughs> All right. It's fair. Who's in this movie, Eric? All right. In this movie, we have Omar X playing Q, who was uh, Willie Mays Hayes in Major League Two, and uh, Darnell in the program. We also have Tupac Shakur plays Bishop, who we know Tupac from his hip-hop career, one of the biggest rappers of all time. Uh, who Also, also a- in po- Poetic Justice and Above the Rim. 
Yeah. He was better in Poetic Justice and Above the Rim. I don't remember Poetic Justice or Above the Rim, so I appreciate him here. I remember making appearances in A Different World, the TV show back in the day. Um, okay. We also had Jermaine Hopkins play Steel, who really had nothing else of note. Um, no, not not true. He played Sam's in Lean on Me, and Morgan Freeman plays the principal of this like really hard um, like inner city school. And there's this scene on the rooftop where Morgan Freeman brings this kid, Steel Jermaine Hopkins, who plays Sam's, up to the roof. He's like. You smoke crack, don't you, Sam's? And he's like, yes, sir. He's like, well, if you want to kill yourself, I say, don't fuck around with it. Do it expeditiously. Jump. Really great scene. Solid quote. I say, if you want to kill yourself, don't fuck around with it. Do it expeditiously. Do it expeditiously. Well, I'm glad you knew that because I never heard of that movie, so I thought it was nothing of note. I bet. That's why I'm here. <laughs> That's why i tell you guys here. all the things you don't know. <laughs> Thank God for you, bro. Yeah. <laughs> we also have... Khalil Kane, who plays Rahim. Uh, this is his first movie ever, and then did a lot of TV afterwards. And we have appearances by Samuel L. Jackson playing Trip and Queen Latifah playing Roughhouse MC. They really didn't use enough Samuel L. Jackson, but I guess this is before he's Samuel, and it's also supposed to be a teen movie, I guess. So he's kind of just the guy at the at the pool hall, right? So yeah. Also, you had I know nobody caught this, and this is the first time I ever noticed it, and I'm so proud of myself. Turkleton from Scrubs, he just says "What's up" to Q in school for like less than three seconds, and oh. I was like. I was like, wait a second, was that Turk? And I rewound it, and it was. And that was wow. That's that's my story. What's his I, name, Donald Faison? Yes, you're right. Well done. I didn't write that down, but I yeah, now that you said it. I love Scrubs. Did you know him and uh, Zach Braff do a podcast together? Like a daily podcast? They Are they really best friends in real life? I think they are. Because that, that just that's, tickles that's awesome. my fancy. Love that show too, man. I was obsessed with Scrubs. Yeah. All right, so the plot, four friends trying to figure out who they are and what they're doing with their lives and futures in Harlem. Does anybody else have a different plot? Yeah. I surmise that. I would say four teenage kids who don't want to go to school go from cutting class to killing people in an instant. That's my that's my <laughs> quote. Okay. This movie takes just the craziest turn. It does. Right. It does. It's also directed by Ernest Dickerson. He did Surviving the Game and Bulletproof with Adam Sandler. It's his first major movie, and this is all of their first major roles aside from uh, Samuel L. Bishop, it's Tupac's first major role, Omar Epps' first major role, Jermaine Hopkins, Khalil Kane, all of them. It's, they've done like little things before, but this was the first major movie that they all did together. So one of my favorite things that like I'm seeing when we do these podcasts is we get to see the the actors that we like kind like that we knew like at their beginning. Yeah. And like Omar Epps, while you could see again, this is like the same thing that we said about uh, Cuba Gooden Jr. in Boys in the Hood. Like you can see. All right. There's you see that base of that like really good actor is not quite there yet but you can see that it's in there and it's cool to know like oh yeah he, he becomes really good and like i enjoy him and what he does later on yeah. i think uh, uh, i think you see a lot of times when you know the the actor they're not like fully flushed out fleshed out rather that you know like you said they're young but you just see that a certain person has charisma and they're captivating without having much else to go on 
there's that in right. itself. Well, that's what I'm saying. Like you, you can see it's there. Yeah. And it's, but it's. The, I'm the, agreeing with you. Yeah. I was just trying to oh, expound on I your you point. Were explaining my thought that I already explained pretty well. No, I was just yeah. trying to agree with you. <laughs> no, and, it's, and it's dope to see these people on the come up. You know, I agree. It's awesome. Yeah. So what did you guys think about this movie? Because I had a great time. And I, you, you said you didn't like until the part where they shot the uh, no, clerk. No. So I, when they come off that DJ booth, I finally felt that intensity that like I was looking for and hoping for. Because before then, it was like, it, it, it just felt like, you know, four high school friends hanging out, which is what it was supposed to be. But I thought that's what the whole movie was going to be. You know what I mean? I didn't think it was going to turn into what it turned into. I thought because I knew nothing about the this stakes. Movie. I'd heard the stakes of it. changed. Right. The stakes became like real. It wasn't yeah. just there was a like, point to the movie then. Right. Because even like that scene where they're they're walking through the their town and they stop by that bar and he goes in to buy a pack of smokes and the friends in there. I love that scene. Yeah, it's a great scene. And the friends in there trying to. Just like he's just like, yeah, I'm about to rob the place. You want in on this? Yeah. <laughs> and I'm just like, because it was kind of like lighthearted and funny, like even though it turned out the guy died. But like the way they played off that yeah. scene, it was yeah. like, it was like it was a joke. It was like, oh, yeah, this guy's robbing this place again. Just got out of juvie or whatever. Just got out of jail. And I was like, this this, this isn't what I want to see. I don't want to see a day in the life of like four teenagers. And then it, it's not that. Okay. Well, I mean, I... I like those scenes. I like the beginning. I like the Eric B and Rakim intro song in the beginning. I love all the hardcore New York, early New York hip hop. I love all that. I mean, I like them getting dressed in the morning, getting bitched at by their parents. I like the the back and forth between Steele and his little brother. I, I enjoyed it all. I just found it fun. A, a, a fair amount of it might be nostalgia for me, but even still, I wasn't bored. I was entertained while I was watching it this time. So I don't know how much of that is true. I think some of it comes with cultural differences, right? So like I had a tough time relating, I guess, to just the, the, the whole like hip hop, like culture and, and the music and because, you know, cultural differences, they happen. I enjoyed this movie from the beginning as well, Kev. I didn't have a problem with it at all. I, I I really felt like there was a theme with all three movies, uh, the top three this month. It was stress. These are stressful movies. They have intensity to them. And as you see Pac's character change throughout this movie, he stressed me out. He made me uneasy and more uneasy as the – he scared me by the end. By the end of the movie, I was afraid of him just like everybody else was. And I, I liked the ride this movie took me on. I, I remember during that DJ scene, I was stressing. Because he didn't want to have to be part of the crime, and he had to go up there perform, which was going to change his life. And then he finishes his gig, and he kills it. And then he's got to go and you know rob this guy. And I was stressing the whole time. I knew he didn't want to be there, but he had to be back in his boys, his crew. And I couldn't breathe in some of these scenes, man. I was on the ride. So can I just say, like, one of the issues I did have with the movie is – like they made it out like this was like a regular thing, like them going and like it's just a normal thing to be like, yeah, we're going to rob this place and you're going to be part of it. And I felt like they didn't like establish the fact they kind of mentioned it later that it wasn't the first time they'd, they'd held someone up. But like they didn't make it clear that they didn't make it. Did they? When did they do that? They talked to uh, when Steele was in with the, the cops, like they mentioned like him uh, holding up the, the one uh, they, it was something about holding them up or he was messing with the one guy and they, and they, they robbed him one time, like one of the uh, store guys that they mess with all the time. No, not, I not think he that, was, no, I don't think he was admitting it to them that they did it. He was trying to throw that uh, the, the Spanish Rodimus. group under the bus. I think this was the first no, 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 hype. That's not, what, 
No, this was not the, the they had done something else before. They they brought it up. I I can't remember. I should have written it down. But somewhere in the movie, they, 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 the cops interrogating them, they mention like this other time that they stole something or whatever. So maybe that's the first time they held someone up. But they, they no, mentioned like they robbing or stealing he, or something. He blamed them for messing with them. Because remember in the beginning of the movie, they're fighting, they're stealing. Yeah, they harassing them all. And the, the guy time. comes out with the gun. He mentions yeah. that. Yeah, I remember that. That's not what I was talking about. Uh, I don't remember them ever alluding to them having. I thought this was their first, their first like. But, uh, but then, crime. okay. So then, if I'm wrong, then and I'm remembering wrong, then that only further proves my point of like it's weird that they just went from like, oh yeah, we're just a couple of kids who are cut in class to okay, we're gonna go go with a gun and rob this. Well, place. The, this is why I wrote the plot the way that I did because they don't really have an identity. They're they're in Harlem. They're, I guess poorer people come from poorer families or working class families or whatever and they're on they're in the streets they're getting harassed by other crews and they're kind of like they're they're not bad kids in the beginning and they are sick of that's why Pac goes off in in Steele's apartment saying that yo we run from the cops we run from the truants officers we run from Rodimus we run from everybody and he's like who are we I'm sick of doing this so they, they were at they were at you know a fork in the road they were either gonna Go one way or the other, and they chose to go the way that you know they decided to get the gun and go rob the the convenience store. I had a problem with, and I'll just fast forward to my worst role, which is Raheem. Raheem is like the moral compass of the group, and he's like he's saying how they're not going to go in, back into the bar and rob the bar with the guy that just got paroled Blizz. and ends up dying, and yo, know, so he's like, no, like we're not doing those things, and then. You know, a few minutes later, he's like, all right, we're going to just go rob this convenience store now. Like, I thought that was like, that's, there's no, yeah. there's no truth in your character then. Oh, that makes a lot of sense though. Cause what you're saying, um, because even in the, in the apartment, like he's yelling at them for fighting. Like, we can't be fighting like this. We're, we're brothers. And like, he, like you said, he's the moral compass, but like, he just flips it over. Like, okay, I'm the moral compass. My compass says, let's go rob this guy after saying, don't rob that guy. Yeah. Which was, I found weird, but that I, was the only flaw i found with the movie really the only thing i could argue is maybe he just meant we're not going to get wrapped up with blizz because he's an he's idiot a nut job right or an <laughs> right. idiot yeah or both right so maybe maybe that's what it was it wasn't so much i don't want to rob someone as much as it was no i don't want to rob him with with this guy <laughs> yeah <laughs> okay what about what about when blizz was robbing the uh was robbing the bar and he's like all right everybody strip and he's like especially you you look good <laughs> 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 made me laugh. I just love how he's so cool with Q, though, that he's just like, Q, you want it on this? Yeah, he's like, <laughs> he's like, like, nah, he's like, he's like all right, no problem. He's like, when'd you get out, man? He's like, I just got paroled like three days ago. He's like, he's like, excuse me for a minute while I rob this place. <laughs> so he's like, what? <laughs> it's like, it's like, excuse me, I got to use the bathroom or something. <laughs> and he just lets him walk out, though. All right, do we have any other notes or can we hit some topics? We can hit some topics, sorry. There was one other thing that I wanted to bring up too that was a, a non sequitur more or less is that when he's walking out of the DJ audition, Q's walking out of the DJ audition yeah. and he's walking by Sam Jackson on the street and Sam Jackson's like, hey, I heard you made that DJ audition and he literally just left yeah. there three <laughs> seconds ago and he's like, yeah. And then like he takes a few steps and he looks back and Samuel L. Jackson gives him like more or less like a thumbs up. <laughs> I was like, that was so I random. Like yeah, but I liked it. Awesome. I, I did like Oh, that. I loved it. I was just saying that it was very it random. Was random. You know what else is random is why does this 30-year-old nurse want to be with this high school kid? Yeah, I didn't get that at all. I, that was super weird. Just 
out of nowhere, like all of a sudden he goes to. She's kicking out her her receding hairline husband that must be like thirty something years old. And Q's still in high school. He's like an an. He's literally like 16. Yeah, he's an unattending <laughs> high school student. He's and, a junior. He's not even a senior. But he's having like he's having a like a, an actually like mature adult relationship with this woman. Yeah, it was strange. Like she's really, making him like these fancy dinners. Really out of place. Yeah, that because, was weird. Like, but Omar Epps is a handsome man. So uh, I mean, is, is that enough though? <laughs> I don't know. For she her, was just cougaring him, Probably. man. Just a little cougar action. She was no, but a she wanted a relationship. She, no. yeah, she, 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 she wanted just... to be treated with respect and yeah. properly and act right in my <laughs> house and all that stuff. It wasn't just like a fling, yeah. like like come over, fool around, and then go back home. They were in a full blown relationship. Like that would have made a whole lot more sense to me. Fine, all right. I she just wants you. a young guy. That's that's great. Okay, but no, we're gonna get married one day. <laughs> Eric, anything else? No, that that's pretty good. I'm ready for the categories. The right. candlelight dinner right after like Raheem got killed. He kind of just walks in and just sits down to the steak dinner. <laughs> it's weird. All right, so I'm going to kick it off with my best scene. My best scene was uh, after Bishop had shot Raheem and the store clerk, and then he sees Q back at school. And the tense, the how tense that scene was, how well acted it was from mostly from Tupac, but also from uh, Omar Epps. Where he's talking about, yo, I ain't shit. I ain't never going to be shit. As soon as I figure out that you ain't shit, pow, it's over. It's like, just my favorite yeah. line in the whole movie. Yeah, that was a good line. Uh, no, Eric, your favorite? Scene. Uh, my best scene, I love the DJ battle, man, because the stress level was, was high. Um, you know, and, and he didn't come on right away. You had like two or three DJs out in front. And you're like, oh, man, is, is he going to even be able to hang? And uh, he actually killed it. I loved his scratches. We were, we were really tight. And... Um, I think with the robbery that was in the background in the, of your head, you think that's coming up next. I yeah. was stressed out during that whole scene. I thought and then when he went, when he had to go, when he had to go back, and and then the, he doesn't even get to do his second set. The yeah. cops come. It was a great, yeah, it was a great whatever. It was a few scenes, I guess, all mixed in there, but really good. So I like the the intensity that the the, the competition caused. And like because you knew that that scene was coming up that they were gonna go rob the place, so it, that was a nice like because he's trying to win this this uh, DJ battle, whatever. But God, I hated the DJ battle. I hated it. Uh, I yeah. hated the actual battle. I I, love I think it. the sound of scratching records is like nails on a chalkboard, and I was miserable to that. That's whole how thing. I feel about I, your country music. Yeah, no, I thought that scene was tight, man. Chris, what was your favorite? My favorite scene was when uh, Q decides he's gonna man up and face Bishop. And not just face him, but throws his gun in the in the river. Yeah, and I just thought that was a real cool turn for the character. Like, I'm taking my life back. Uh, I'm I'm not falling into this nonsense because because really, what he should have done is kept that gun and kept himself safe. But he wanted to make sure that he got through it the right way. Yeah, yeah. wasn't wasn't going to go out there with the intention of killing him. He was going with the intention of ending it. He be he was the one who seemed to have. The most ambition for his future out of the whole group. Yeah, Chris, did you notice there's a little foreshadowing? I believe before that scene too, because he's walking through the alley, and I guess the homeless guy jumps at him, and he pulls the gun on him real quick, and the guy's like, "Don't yep. shoot me! Don't shoot me!" And as he's mm -hmm. walking away, he kind of mumbles to himself, like, "Yo, what am I doing here? What is this? It's not me, yeah. you know." And right, like, he wasn't comfortable having the gun or yeah. pointing it at someone. Yep. Okay. Uh, worst scene. Worst. I already told you my worst scene. What the scratch? The, the scratch, DJ. It, it was. I, I guess I should pick something else because it wasn't. The you don't scene. have to do anything. It's your yeah. choice. But it wasn't the scene. It was the 
it was just scratching. You didn't appreciate. You don't. You don't like hip hop music. So. Okay. He, was, he was concerned for the records. Did you, Eric? What was your worst scene? I yeah. actually was. I was like, <laughs> I'm like, what do they do with these records after all this scratching? They throw them away. They buy new ones. It's crazy. Honestly, bro, I gotta be honest with you. I don't have a worse scene. I literally, after watching, I didn't the, either. I watched through the whole movie. Then I, on the fast forward rewind button, whatever, I screwed through the whole movie real quick just to see if something popped back at me. I thought every scene was relevant. You, if I, if you know what, if I had to pick a worse, it's not. I can't. I was gonna say the record scene, but not the record scene itself. The conversation between Q and the girl that worked behind the counter. Was for some reason that makes me uneasy. It was it just a distraction he's technique. Not, yeah, he's not really into her. He's I, un, I I get the scene. But I'm just saying to be uneasy for for some unexplicable reason it makes me uneasy. Because it's a cringeworthy scene. Yeah. Yes. Okay. That's that's that. Thank you. you <laughs> it was did. almost funny yeah. though. You hit the nail on the head. She, she was not attractive at all, and probably on purpose. He, and here he's he trying caught, to be all smooth and laying. He caught down that butterface. He's seen her from the back, and she turned around, and he got he's seen the butterface. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Kept, all right. Keep us cool. It, that was good. All right. If I had to pick an actual thing that I didn't like in the movie, besides this, the record scratching, it's. When they're running from the truancy officers, how hard they're running from the truancy officers, that's fine because they're kids and they're going to run. But the fact of how hard the truancy officers are chasing them, like that's never going to happen. Like they're not going to hunt these kids down to get them back to school. Uh, they don't do that. Our truancy, or, because yeah, I, you I work in the city. Daily. I work but in New York uh, City. Yeah. I, I know I'm asking you a question that you'll have an answer to. <laughs> are truancy officers actual police officers? Yes. Okay, so why wouldn't they chase them? Because they don't do that. They they literally they're not gonna run you down. They're maybe gonna, in nineteen ninety. Yeah, did. maybe back maybe then. Maybe in nineteen ninety they did. They didn't chase them like they were they were like murderers, hard criminals. Like because <laughs> they're not the children. Man. <laughs> Right. They, they, I think more of their job is like to try and scoop them up and drive them back to the class, and then like to notify the parents that they're out and about. Okay. All right, my best role is Omar Epps. Q, I just thought he did the best job, and he was obviously the main character, so it was an easy choice for me. Plus, I'm uh, not a Tupac fan simply because of the old East Coast, West Coast beef. Wow, <laughs> I'm, I'm, East Coast, I'm East Coast till I die. So, <laughs> Eric? My best role, I gave it to Pac, bro. I'm sorry, man. Um, he was He was good. He was good because I felt his intensity and his craziness like keep growing through the whole movie and he just kept making me more and more uneasy and like you said when he pops up on him in the school he's just on the other side of the locker in the clothes you're like oh you know and when he's got the gun he just he really just snowballed and it all came back to me and i remember the first time they introduced him his dad's just sitting there you know staring at the tv so he's probably a little out there and he sl slips the hundred dollar bill in his uh, pocket and that's why he gets all it's crazy like a five dollar bill by the way i thought it was a c-note Whatever. No. It don't matter. Either way. He's giving him the money he's got that he doesn't really have to give away. So it also makes you think he actually might have those genes in him. And he, I think he played a great guy just on the loose, man. It was good. Uh, so, yeah. So my, my problem with Tupac was he didn't have much range. Like, he played, he did crazy great. But, like, that was it. Yeah. You know, like, everything else. Like, th there was no other side to his acting. So, like, that's why I couldn't choose him as the best. But I chose... Jermaine Hopkins as Steel because I love fell Steel. I fell in love with Steel. He's a great character. I thought I, I, I when he got shot at the end, I I screamed. I was like, no, <laughs> no, you don't. 
I love when he was beatboxing, putting on his overalls in yeah, the mirror. Great. Love that scene. And then he, and then he p- picks up the, the boombox and he just nods his head all proud of himself. <laughs> He's great. And, but, and then when he climbed out of the gutter, I cheered. Oh, when he when was he's shot. Alive? Yeah, I was when like, he was still he's alive. He's going to make it. Yeah. <laughs> I was so excited he didn't he's, die. He's easy to root for, Steel. Yeah. yeah. So that that's why I picked him as my because it wasn't that he played it well. I just I fell in love with him. You the liked character. him. Yeah, yeah, so did I. All right, my worst role I said before was Raheem because his moral compass didn't have a true north, so. Yeah. Um I said Tupac because it was my worst role because again, it, he did the crazy great, but I just didn't think he had anything else. Eric um my worst role i i gave it to steel um <laughs> just because i just didn't feel his character you know because you're mean, mad at me for saying tupac no not at all <laughs> you know it just he seemed like yeah he was obviously the um the the weaker kid in the group he was you know the kid that got pushed around i feel like that was just a stereotypical you know so he did any group. great and he would be it's always the chubby kid i was the chubby kid that's why i love him <laughs> <All right. laughs> most quotable lines i have a bunch so you guys go first see if you take any of mine i've got you already two. said go ahead go eric <laughs> when there's the early in the movie when they're screwing around in front of the store and the shop pe- cut uh excuse me when the shopkeeper comes out and he's like i'm gonna shoot your pee pee off <laughs> Yeah, I love that. It's all in his delivery yes, the way exactly. he says it that makes it funny. Because yeah, you I, don't expect I have, him to say that. I I have that one. In what my, about in the begin in the go, beginning when go ahead. in the beginning when Steele's and his his younger brother they're in the bunk beds and they they're they're arguing back and forth and then his father comes in and yells at Steele and when he leaves, his younger brother says to him, Fatness never prospers. Yeah, he did see that. I remember right. that. Now, I have, I think, the best line in the whole movie. I don't know if you guys picked this one up. Uh, Riverside, motherfucker. No, no, this is too good. <laughs> this is too good. There's a, uh, in the, what, the game hall, there's a guy talking to Trip, Samuel L. Jackson. <laughs> they're talking, and I think they're talking about having sex with a girl. And he goes, no, nah, because you got that snappy, nappy dugout, miss. <laughs> I had to look it up three times to see exactly what he said. He said he got that snappy, nappy dugout. But, but the, Samuel L. Jackson was even thrown off by what he said. He had to ask him. Right, I, I like the, the the line from Samuel L. Jackson. Where he's like, "Just cause you pour syrup on something doesn't make it pancakes." That's the same conversation where he says, "Snappy yeah. nappy dugout." All right, I I said a bunch of mine before. Riverside motherfucker. I like the use Tupac's use of partner. Yeah, and then. Uh, I said all of mine. Everybody strip. Hurry up because you look good. Uh, the the one line that you said, though, before with the I ain't shit, you ain't shit. Like, right. That whole that whole dialogue from Bishop is fantastic. You kind of like cut some of it out. So I'm just going to give you the whole thing. Uh-huh. He's like, you know what? So Q goes, Bishop, you're crazy. And he's like, you know what? Last time you said that, I was kind of tripping, right? But now you're right. I am crazy. And you know what else? I don't give a fuck. I don't give a fuck about you. I don't give a fuck about Steel. I don't give a fuck about Raheem. I don't give a fuck about myself. Look, I ain't shit, and you less of a man than, than me. So as soon as I figure out you ain't going to be shit, pow, so be it. You remember that, motherfucker, because I'm the one you need to be looking out for, partner. <laughs> I love that. Partner. partner. Patton. Yeah, so th- that whole dialogue there was just, like, that's really good writing. Like, and I, delivery. Yeah, and yeah. the delivery, like I said, he did crazy great, and just, like I said, great writing. All right. Uh, would you recommend this movie, Eric? I would. I really would. Chris? Yep. I would as well. 
All right, coming in at number two, Shining Through, grossing $21.7 million. At Leland, Linda Voss. 90 words a minute, bilingual dictation, and speaks German with the accent of a Berlin butcher's wife. Lethal combination. Mm. Could you stand up and turn around, please? Why should I do that? It's an observation test. Well, I'll take it sitting down. What I was going to ask you to do is stand up, turn around, and close your eyes and tell me everything you see in the room. Pictures of sailboats and polo ponies, fancy books and diplomas, stuffed fish on the wall, and a couple of guys from Harvard who are surprised that a girl who needs a job won't be treated like a slave. Are you always like this? For a woman who dares to speak her mind. The German language is very specific. Unless, of course, this is all just some kind of code, in which case you should just tell me. For a man who isn't what he seems. You're a spy, Mr. Leland. And you've seen too many movies, Miss Voss. Enough to know a spy when I see one. Love happened at the wrong time. The Japanese have attacked Pearl Harbor, Hawaii, by air. Overnight, the world changed. That man put his life on the line, just more than anybody in this room is about to do. Now, they have to risk everything. I know the codes, I know the network, I know the whole operation. Linda, you are a secretary, you are not a spy. I will quit if you don't let me go. I'll miss you. I will, damn it! You know what you're getting yourself into, Linda? Yeah, the war. Michael Douglas, Melanie Griffith. I want you on that train. I can't come out now. Shining through. Okay. This is a giant heaving bag of dog shit. I, I want to agree with you, but it, it, it wasn't that bad. <laughs> it, was, it wasn't bad. that bad at all, man. It really wasn't. There were I parts love I war enjoyed. Movies. Oh, I do too, but this wasn't a war movie. This movie stars Michael Douglas as Ed Leland. We know him from Wall Street, Fatal Attraction, Basic Instinct, The Game, Falling Down. Melanie Griffith plays Linda Voss. Uh, We'll come back to her. Liam Neeson plays Franz Otto Dietrich. He's in Excalibur in 81, The Bounty in 84. I say it every time I have the opportunity to. If you haven't seen the movie The Bounty, Go watch it. We did him in Darkman in 90. Comes back in Schindler's List in 93. Michael Collins, a great Irish movie in 96. Phantom Menace in 99. Gangs of New York, 02. Batman Begins, 05. Chronicles of Narnia, 05. Taken in 08. And he's got a lot of other movies that are worth watching. And then lastly, Jolie Richardson. She plays Margaret von Eberstein. She's in The Patriot with Mel Gibson, Event Horizon. We did her in King Ralph. We didn't actually do her, but, you know, we... Okay, we got it. And then the girl with the dragon da- tattoo. And then, Chris, remember the Red Sparrow movie you watched over here with me with, what's her name? Jennifer Lawrence. Yeah, where she's nude, like excessively nude. For no reason. All the whole movie she's nude. Yeah. That's all I remember about that movie is she was Russian and nude. All right. Coming back to Melanie Griffith for one minute. I, I don't want to de- derail this conversation, but there's this movie oh, I've it's seen. A conversation. Well, I don't know. I don't want to derail what we do here with another conversation. There's a movie called Roar, R-O-A-R, that I've watched before. It's the definition of insane. They literally took 130 lions, uh, bobcats, panthers, all those things, and filmed them living, this family living in a house with these cats live. It was There weren't any cages. There wasn't any CGI. It was just actual adult lions, female, male lions, cubs, 
Panthers, Cougars in this house with people. The, um, what's her name? Hold on. I don't Mel- understand what's happening right now. <laughs> you need to see this movie. This is a movie di- that was directed with Melanie Griffith was in it. Melanie Griffith got attacked by a lion, caught 20 stitches in her head. They thought she was going to lose her eye because of the, the attack from this cat. You don't understand the insanity that is this movie. But you know why I won't see this movie? Because Melanie Griffith's in it. It's it's not a movie. It's it, I was on. It's like an hour and something long. I was on the edge of my seat the entire time, waiting for somebody to actually die. Did they get? Did they get, did they get, on get it on film when she's on attacked when she gets attacked? Like, is that part of the movie? I don't remember that, but I remember the director got attacked and got hundred and fifty stitches, and that's on film. <laughs> this movie's insane. Sounds like a terrible idea. I digress. Insane, please, I, I please just go you, go see the highlights on YouTube. That's all you need. <laughs> okay. All right. All, all right, right, Chris, give me no. the plot of this movie. The plot of this movie is so Melanie Griffith plays Linda Voss, who is a half Jewish, half American, uh, well, half German Jewish, half American um, woman who is sent over to Nazi Germany to infiltrate. A uh, German Nazi like leader and his family, and you know she's a spy. I, I want to argue everything that you just but said. That's, that's what, not the plot of the movie. How is that not the plot? That's of the movie? what happens, but that's not. The, I guess the plot of the movie not is the directive she, she, of the movie. Fine. She falls in love with a, a spy and they get separated and they find their way back together. Is that better? That's yeah, okay. But <laughs> she has there. There's no point to this movie. So all right, dude. Listen, the point of this movie is this woman. It's a flashback of a woman who is a hero in World War Two. As a becoming, hero. yeah, she's Suppose a hero, a hero. bro. She's what did supp- she do? She gets oh, the, she got the, the micro. She gets the yeah. microfilm yeah. and yeah. stops. All right, all right, I, all right, all right, all right. So she always dreamed about being a spy. Ends up working for a spy and ends up being volunteered to be a spy for a German hierarchy in the Third Reich to find out secret information about building an, a, a a self-flying missile that could end the war and the Germans would win. So her work is that's why she's a hero. They're actually interviewing her on the BBC, and this whole movie is the flashback of her exploits. But Can I tell you the the whole interview with the BBC and it being a flashback? It ruins the whole movie. There's it no doesn't make there, any sense. There's no, gives, and there's no there's no real. Um, it gives her the it gives her the ability to narrate. You're gonna yes. say there's no point to it. No, not that there's no point. I was gonna say that there's no there, there are no stakes. You know she survives. Right, yeah, I agree. It did take away from some of the very stressful points. Really, like, yeah, but wait. I didn't care about I didn't care about these people anyway. So right, I, but, what I, difference I, I but if you're trying to make people care about them, this, this ruins it. Eric, you're too you're too generous with movies. No, I'm not just generous be- with movies. If I'm watching a movie and I'm entertained, I'm not going to rip on it. I I, I had. A, yeah, but you enjoyable could, you, you time seem watching. to be enter, you seem to be entertained by anything that comes on the on the screen. It's not true. There's a lot of crap out there, but I felt I, there was an intensity to this movie. I there felt, were intense parts. Right. No, and, and, there were parts intense. of this movie that what was intense. There were parts of this movie where I I felt I felt like her anxiety. Right. So like the only time really was when she goes down to the cellar. And and that was the only time that I gave a shit. Right, and even then, it's stupid because she shouldn't have been there. And why is that key sitting right where it is on the left? Uh, you build this secret room that yes, probably costs millions yes. of dollars, and why, you leave the key right there. Why do Why do we need the exposition from the sun to tell her exactly where that room was? She couldn't figure it out. 
just find it in the basement. The son was like, Dad, why can't we go to your bomb shelter that's down in the basement? Remember, it's this, it's right here where you said it was, and we said we'd be safe, and you keep all your stuff in there. And nobody knows about it. Yeah. Like, <laughs> okay, pal, thanks. Thanks for telling me exactly where this is. And also, can we talk about how the, the name of this movie is Shining Through? What shines through? The, what no, shines through is when she finds the hidden room, because how terribly is this hidden room built that they built it halfway through a window, yeah, yeah. so she sees the other half of the window shining through and that's how she knows the secret room Ooh, is, good that, is that why they named it that's, yes, why they I named mean, it. I, that's the only thing i found <laughs> all right so this is what i wanted to say this is what i've been dying we, we got to go back because we got to relay this plot because we just totally butchered everything no we said the plot don't worry this is what i've been dying to say to you guys this is this movie is so the the what i was saying before the budget right is the budget was 30 million dollars for this movie best i could find it wasn't on imdb but i saw a couple different things that said it was 30 million so i just take it at face value it's a large budget for 1990 yeah they had good set pieces the cars the clothes the scenery they the, the, the nazi were... uniforms the the world war ii stuff tanks and what you're right whatever else they had all they the spent optics a lot of, yeah all was the optics great. were there it was great uh, i was visual if, effects were great so then what ruined it for me was this movie was so criminally miscast. It could have been... Think about this. Think about the movie Pearl Harbor, right? Ben Affleck, uh, Josh, what's his name? Josh Hartnett. Hartnett. Uh, Amy... No, not Amy. What's the girl? Rachel McAdams. Young people, right? Younger. This kind of a similar story. World War II. They're all just thrown into the mix together and they're younger people that fall in love in during this World War II time, right? Then we get this piece of shit with Melanie Griffith. She's What's only 33 name? at the time. I don't care. She she looks like she's 40-something. And 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 uh, Michael Douglas has like- never looked younger than 50. He was born 50 <laughs> years old. And Melanie Griffith talks like this the entire She whispers movie. the whole movie. And whispers. In, and there's zero chemistry. No, I haven't zero done. chemistry between these two people. They, I don't they're, believe they're, anything about there's, them. There's not one ounce of love between them. Not one. She loves him, and he never shows a single ounce of affection. No. They they don't like each other at all. No. There is never a moment where I believed any of the – The only time I believed Melanie Griffith was towards the end of the movie when she goes to the opera with uh, Liam Neeson's character, and and he's like – falling for her or whatever and he puts his hand on her hand like all romantically and she just turns her head and starts crying it's the only moment in the entire movie where i believed anything she was doing like think about this think about if this was cast with two younger up-and-coming actors that actually cared about doing a good job bruce willis and demi moore (laughs) what I'm saying like I don't know a Leo and somebody else. No, like, I, I know what you're saying. It's well, 92. Leo was probably seven years old at this time. But Michael Douglas was idea. pretty big in '92, wasn't he? What do you mean Leo does Titanic in a few years? In '97, six, I think. Yeah, whatever. so what is he? Twelve. Like All right, whatever. <laughs> I'm just saying. <laughs> whatever. That's not my. I don't know why we're arguing the minutia of my point. That's what I do. You didn't like the way it was cast. We got it. No, and it makes a you, lot. Of, you he's right. Disagree, though. but he's right because listen, I I think it's okay for him to be older because he's already supposed to be an established spy, right? So it's okay for him to be older, but maybe she should be like a twenty, like a twenty-two year old, twenty-three year old. 
like looking actress. Because like you said, Melanie Griffith looks she's thirty three, but she does look like she's in her forties. And then the other thing I want to say was she doesn't she's she's blowing in the wind, this girl. Whatever way the wind blows, she has a new idea, a new direction she wants to go. She so so she wants to be she wants to get a job and work, and then she's German, so she gets the job and then she's thrown into Michael Douglas's lap because he's the boss there. And then she he figures just happens out, to be a spy. She figures out his ridiculous plot his ridiculous code that he's dictating to her that's so asinine right. like you would you would have been caught as a spy and murdered by the nazis years ago because your code's ridiculous right and then she deducts that from the movies that she's seen which i like the that was interjection. I, I love that that I was like, the old, that was something i really liked. i like the interjection of her being a movie fan anytime movies referenced in a movie i'm i'm always on board so i'm cool with that but then she's telling them these words are stupid and you should do this and you were never married and she knows all this stuff like all of a sudden she's like a a savant or whatever yeah, I, th- that's the part i couldn't deal with at all so he his little test of like what did you see in the room and she remembers everything like she's been like she's been trained out this. and ready to go with a day a spy starts talking to her and meanwhile he she's just supposed to be talking to the head lawyer of the the freaking firm that she's working at that's all it's supposed to be and like but she knows he's a spy for some reason and i don't understand why because all he did was call her into his office well she doesn't deduce he's a spy right away it's from all yes, the she does. it's almost immediate isn't it no, no. It's oh, after no, it a while, typing, it's after right, a while right. of working for him and, and typing up his letters and understanding that half his letters didn't make any sense. And she deduced from that that there's spy stuff going on. Not to mention oh, she's right. a huge, huge spy freak with and the movies. Then so-, then so later on, we get uh, the, 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 the spy, his contact died they, that was trying to infiltrate to get the, the, the plans for this bomb. Somebody else needs to go in and she interjects and she wants to go over. She wants to do that. Right. So then she goes over there with the intention of finding this stuff. But then somewhere haphazardly, her plans change from having to go find the plans for this thing to, oh, I got to go save my cousin and my family over here. And that becomes her, her, her objective. I, I just, that was always her objective. She, she talks about her cousin. The only reason she She's, wants to do it is so that she can try and find her cousins. It was a side objective. I didn't get that. No, objective. I did. Cause the whole finding that thing is the whole reason why they want to send her, but that's why she lies about everything. She says she knows how to cook. She doesn't know how to cook because she's, what do you mean? She made this, the strudel. She, or she bought it. You don't know she made it. Did you see her make it? She just shows up. She with says she made it. I right. have to take what the movie says. Right, but I, I, I think it's like because then when she's actually in the situation, she can't fucking cook. I don't know. Uh, she, she just she serves. So she serves. So then it's she the serves, movie's fault. She serves one hundred percent raw dove. Yes, she's. Then it's the movie's fault for not explaining itself properly. That, all right, that's fine. I'm not. I'm just saying that. The, the whole idea of her going there, the only reason she wanted to go there was for her cousins. And you missed that. Because okay. The, the, but I didn't, I, didn't, I didn't feel that. I felt like she was confused and she was, she was moving about haphazardly. No, because the only reason she wants to stay there is because she's looking for her cousins. And the whole finding the, the weapon thing is the reason America wants her there. And that's her in. And she goes with it. Okay. Then I, uh, the last thing I want to say that then the filibuster can end is... When was she ever in real peril? Never. Yeah, because we see her alive as an old lady. No, but not, not that. <laughs> she, when so, was she not in real peril? She was undercover in Nazi Germany living in one of the top guys in the Third Reich. 
But, okay. but he's saying there and, was never a suspicion of her. And she's half Jewish. She's, if she get caught in a second, she's done. Right. right. But that's, you're, you're projecting onto the movie. The movie never made you feel like she was in danger. Except she, when she goes in the cellar. She was She was in... Yeah, you're, you're right. She was in the guy's house that she was cooking for and she was screwing everything up and the guy was supposed to be a real maniac bastard and all he does is fire her? Like, in, this, in real Nazi Germany... This girl would have been hung up in in her front yard or whatever. Well, For and, like, you know and that? all he I does, they're supposed no. They're in Berlin. It's the only safe place. They think she's a full-edged German girl. They they're not gonna kill her. They're just gonna fire. And her. they allude I, to I, the I, fact I, that if you get through the Gustavo checkpoints, you're very rare what? to have that person in there. Okay, and then what about the fact that her spy purse opens up in front of the guy in the before that in the fishmonger. And her spy shit falls out on the floor while the guy is asking her for her papers and inquiring who she is. And then she's, he's just like, okay, good to go. Let the all your spy that, shit fall out of your compartment only on thing the floor. Falls out, but this is Nazi Germany. We're fine with that. No, only thing that falls out is a pack of cigarettes and a note that's folded up and the guy steps on it right away. He never sees the note. The guy should have seen the note. It Whatever. fell out of, on on the floor in front of his face. I think there's bigger problems in this movie than that. Let's talk about. It's not a problem. No, I'm not saying it's not a problem. I'm saying there's bigger problems. Go ahead. Let's talk about the fact that so her contact once she gets into Nazi Germany is that old the, man. The, the, no, the well, he puts her in contact with the woman, the do, the daughter of yeah. the the German uh, spy soldier sunflower whatever, sunflower whatever the yeah. hell that 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 girl. So, at the end of the movie, we find out that she's actually a Nazi. Yeah, she's a double agent. Okay. Right? So, they put Melanie Griffith's character into Dietrich's. That's his name? Dietrich's? Dietrich's? Franz Otto Dietrich? Dietrich. They They put her into Dietrich's house. Like, that was their plan all along, apparently. But no, it just happened her to happen that way, buddy. Right. That, but they, she talks about how we put you there on purpose so we could keep eyes on Dietrich. That's why we put you there. No, but that's no, not where not they, they put said. her. It's what it's exactly. I just I literally watched it ten minutes before we started recording. What happened was they were gonna take her out, and when he she was at the first person's house, but when she ended up by accident in oh, Franz's house, yeah. they decided to keep her there because Fine. then they could spy on him to see if he was a loyal Nazi. Fine. It's the Still only reason my she point. stayed alive. What was the point of her in the first place? Why are you sending someone who could possibly mess shit up rather than just another German person that is a Nazi sympathizer just to put them in there and just let them get the information that you want to get? It makes zero sense to send someone that could actually mess up everything you're trying to do. Mm. I no, guess they just I felt didn't. that they, she would be relaying information unknowing that she was giving it to a double agent. You know, you're reading. I think you're reading too deep into it. No, really too deep. It makes no sense. Yeah, I don't. I don't know. I didn't really have a problem problem with that. That you that don't part. have a problem with the fact that there's no reason for her to be there from a Nazi person's perspective. Yeah, that's fine. I, I'm okay. The whole movie didn't make sense, so that part didn't make sense. So I'm not gonna sit here and nitpick that that it that it didn't. But you'll nitpick her purse spelling. <laughs> Dude, what are you talking about? Then, so yeah, I I have real problems with with all of this shit. Like I could point to any of it. Michael Douglas, you're listen. No, I, no, no. Stop. The I need only stop. your points matter. No, I want no. I want to frame this. I want to frame the the movie in in the world that we're living in. You're in Nazi Germany. Everybody is 
their papers are constantly checked. If your shit's not 100% in order from, I don't know, I never lived in Nazi Germany, right? But from all the movies that I've seen, this is how shit goes down. If all your shit's not legit and in order, you get detained, right? That's the way things go. Okay, then Michael Douglas doesn't speak a lick of English, but he's been a spy German. for tw- for tw- for uh, doesn't speak a lick of German. He's been a spy for twenty something years, never picked up one single word of German. And his way to get through Nazi Germany without having to answer anybody is he wraps up a bandage on his neck and says that he can't talk because he's a he's been injured in in, in wartime, and there everybody's okay with it. Like what is this? Like where are the stakes? Like you can't. This you can't just do silly things in a serious movie and make sh- and expect me to be okay with it. All things point. like that are silly. He had so papers. Then you, he just used the not talking, so he didn't have to talk. He had the purpose. He was his dressed up is, as a Nazi fucking a, a Nazi captain or whatever. And if rank he's supposed he was. to be a spy in the 1940s, and he's been a spy for 20 years. Yeah, <laughs> like, should everyone had their eyes German. on Germany. Yeah, no, I'm with that. Germany was Germany was today's Russia. You know. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, I don't know. Uh, uh, whatever, I could keep going, but let's. Anybody else? No, I just I didn't like this movie. And a big problem with this movie was its runtime too. You know, once again, oh, two God. hours and seven minutes. You bring it down to an hour and a half, it might have been a little better. And keep what it I, sub one forty five. That's it. Yeah. That's all and I what ask. I was really hoping to make this movie better for me is I Google searched the hell out of it, hoping to see it was based on a true story, because that would have made me enjoy the movie a lot more. I don't think it was. I think it was just fabricated, which made me not like it as much. I read Roger Ebert's uh, review of this movie, and he had all the problems with it too. So, I, and I never really care what he has to say because he's he's a tight ass or was a tight ass. But uh, I was looking to see if I missed something. Because I, I, right. the second half, you know what? Uh, the last thing I'll say, when Michael Douglas wasn't on screen, the movie was markedly better. See, I, I want to say that, except for Melanie Griffith's whispering really bothered me. Liam Neeson was in the movie for maybe seven minutes total, and I thanked God every time he was on screen because he was the only person trying to do something. He's a treasure. You know, <laughs> Speaking of Liam Neeson, I'm wondering, did this role get him Schindler's List? Maybe. Like, well, did they like, point. oh, wow, he plays a pretty good Nazi so- Nazi soldier. Like, let's let's get him. Most also, likely. he wasn't a Nazi soldier. It was right? a Nazi, what, doctor? No, he was, uh, he was a German uh, entrepreneur. Oh, uh, but Were he they, was German, right? Yeah, he played a German. Yeah. Uh, so I've never seen Schindler's List. Let, well, you're going to. I know. Let's hit uh, topics. David Seltzer is the director of this movie. His only claim to fame is that he wrote the movie Omen. Everything else that he's ever done, he's been shitted on. Especially the new Omen. This movie was nominated for five Razzies and won three of them. It won Worst Picture, Worst Actress, Worst Director, nominated for Worst Actor, Michael Douglas, and Worst Screenplay, also written by this director, David Seltzer. Yeah, I got hammered. <laughs> Deserves all of them. It's all of them. good. It's a terrible movie. I think it could have been good because like at points it was like, all right, this is chill, like... But Melanie Griffith ruined it. Michael Douglas ruined it. And everybody else was better than those yeah. two. And then the directing was shit. But the set pieces were great. And, and you know, I said all that already. It had so potential. Cares. It could have been a good movie if it was it done could have right. Been, yes. Yes. It's Agreed. a good premise. I even said to Kevin, I was talking to him the other day, and he's like, oh, I got to watch this, this crap movie right now. And I'm like, 
I don't know. It's about a, a woman who becomes a spy who infiltrates Nazi Germany. That sounds great. I've never hated a World War II based movie before, and I hate this one. Yeah. It's definitely the I, worst one. And also, didn't you feel like n- nobody in this movie seemed like they were actually from the 40s? Yeah. Like they all just seemed Michael like they're, Douglas, just, they're just the 90s. It's Michael, just the 90s, but Nazis. <laughs> Michael Douglas is the Tom Selleck of Nazi movies. <laughs> He's the, this is quickly down under set in Nazi times. It's just a guy that was an actor and they're like, here, now you're a Nazi. He was like, all right, now I'm a Nazi or whatever. He wasn't a Nazi, but whatever. I you follow your you point. <laughs> it's, such right. a, it's a reference that only applies to this podcast. That's right. That's why I like it. On the podcast, right. it makes sense. All right, best scene. My best scene is the tension uh, at and after the opera with Liam Neeson. Yes. Mm. Yep. That, 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 it's it's the scene, the only, the only scene. scene. Yep, Eric. My best scene, and I think it was the best. scene. Eric's best scene. He thought it was amazingly active when Melanie Griffith got shot in the stomach, but seemed to be perfectly fine. She was, she was, <laughs> she was good to go. All right, Dick. So, uh, so it's only, it's only, it's only a stomach gunshot wound. I'll, I'll be okay. It's merely a flesh wound. I'll be fine. <laughs> uh, my best scene, which I think was Melanie Griffith's best scene, is um, for the whole movie was her initial interview with Douglas because I liked her composure, how she was like that strong German. She I don't know who sh- you are anymore. Yeah. She didn't give I a shit. And she, I liked the way she was a strong woman and just taking these guys shit and just spitting it right back. That scene, I really liked. I, I get it, but they overdid it. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like she was yeah. too smart and yeah. she was too strong and she was too confident. Yeah. And it was just so over the top. Like this person doesn't exist and yeah. never has and never will. This is afraid of I'm strong a- women. I love strong women. My woman beats my ass every night. I just called her my woman. I'm going to get my ass beat. You see? See what you do to me? <laughs> All right, Chris, it does what it's told or it gets the hose again. <laughs> All right, worst scenes. So, Kevin, what's your worst scene? The fish market with the, the interrogation. Okay. Or the ending shootout scene where Michael Douglas is in Nazi Germany and he has a Ruger and is carrying Melanie Griffith, but managed to murder four Nazis, get shot twice, cross into the Swiss border, and then the Swiss army comes to his rescue and shoots at the people in Nazi Germany as if all hell wouldn't break loose at that point. No, but I, it was okay for them to shoot them because they had crossed the line and Nazis shot at him while he still crossed the line. Don't you follow, Kevin? I agree. It's terrible. I'm being facetious. Yes, I no, I just I'm I'm ready to I'm ready to blow my top right now. I'm so. pretty sure that's the scene that made me Google search whether it was a real movie or not. Because I'm like, if that's not based on a true story, then I'm out. <laughs> that, that, I, I actually said during that scene, I was like, was, who's shooting at him? Stormtroopers? <laughs> <laughs> Facts. Nazi. They actually I actually learned that Nazi soldiers were some of them called stormtroopers. I, they said I it in the movie, and I was like, Chris is gonna love that line. I missed it. They yeah, did they say stormtroopers. Maybe right. that's where stormtroopers came from in Star Wars. It's possible. Hey, we learned right. something today. Uh, Eric, where's also, also, we learned something from a really shitty and inaccurate movie that might be completely false. Yes. <laughs> facts. Uh, it's all facts. My worst scene were two scenes put together. One when she's in the basement looking for a family, and the other one when she finds out that her friend Margaret's the double agent when she sees her on the phone. Everything she does, she does it so slow. Like, yo, you're in a hurry. You get caught, you're done. And she just kind of, when she's in the basement looking for family, she's like tiptoeing around. She's got the the, the, Mine, she's got the guys' kids, kids upstairs. <laughs> it's like, dude, you should be in a hurry. You should be in and out and try not to get caught. She's all like, oh, let me walk over here. I, I thought that was just awful. 
This is why I was saying that there's she was never in any real danger. She's just walking around like right. everything's okay. Yeah, yeah. She should have showed a little more peril and and ur- what is the word? You know, she's urgency. Urgency. Yeah, Thank there you. Was, there was no pep in her step, <laughs> Chris. Uh, so I said the scene when he first like okay, so they fall in quote unquote love. I didn't see it, but they fall in love, and then he disappears and he comes back to that dance, the UFO dance. UFO. Oh my god, the <laughs> USO dance. <laughs> yeah, and he comes back to the USO dance, and they have that that he asked her to dance and she says no and then the the other guy asked her to dance so she goes to dance with him and he tries to cut in and there's this whole awkwardness that just doesn't make any sense there's no chemistry you don't feel like either of them want to be there that guy does the 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 third soldier who's like trying to protect her a little bit he doesn't want to be there then he forces the dance on her but they're still in love and he hugs her and then she accepts it in real in real life if this was a movie they all would have just noped right out of that that encounter yep exactly and the other thing is up to this point she's this confident never wavers person but she completely unravels when he returns and like i said there's no chemistry so why is she unraveling because even if there was chemistry i don't think her personality would allow her to be that vulnerable it did it doesn't make sense it never developed the love story at all they had sex once and then so what then he immediately leaves after on a, on a plane and says, don't wait for me. Oh, this, this leads me to my most quotable line. Please, because we were lovers, secret lovers. <laughs> I, don't know, right? I didn't understand why that was necessary. Jeez. Oh, All right, best role? Liam Neeson. Liam Neeson. The guy had like role. 10 minutes at screen time. He, he, he was the best. Yes, Liam Neeson. Worst role? Melanie Griffith, Michael Douglas, Michael Douglas, dude. Right. The way he portrayed, I having, thought his role was fine. The way he, he portrayed having no emotions, it, it, I didn't even believe it. He was, he's the same tool bag in every single movie. I just, I'm not a fan. That's nah. it. So, that's it. I that's how I, I feel. I only like them Griffith. in what? Romancing the Stone, those movies, Jewel and I. I like him. Yeah, I like that was him. all right. I like, I like those Ant-Man. movies. See, I don't even like him playing a tool. Like, I don't even like him in Wall Street. Like that's how much I don't like Michael Douglas. He was good in Wall Street, though. All right, most quotable line. Chris gave his. Eric, do you have one? I had none, man. There was nothing quotable. I, there was nothing to quote. No. That's why I Would one. you recommend this movie, anybody? No. no. The one thing I will say, like Kevin, you said the sets. The sets were amazing, and I read that they made a five hundred thousand dollar building to explode during the bombing raid, and they blew it up. And they didn't have the cameras rolling. No. They didn't have the cameras rolling, so they blew up a half a million dollar building. I don't know why they gave this guy David Seltzer, who would never was never had accomplished anything, a thirty million dollar budget. I don't know why they did that. Because they had Michael <laughs> Douglas and Melanie Griffith. All right, <laughs> moving on. Moving on. Coming in at number one, grossing eighty-eight million dollars, and only God knows why. The hand that rocks the cradle. The Bartels couldn't believe how fortunate they were to find Peyton. I. Adore children, Mrs. Bartell. I love being with them. I, I love taking care of them. For me, it's it's the next best thing to actually being a mother. But they didn't find her. She seems terrific. What's the catch? There is no catch. I think she's great. She chose them. You never let an attractive woman take a power position in your home. All I'm saying is you have to watch your back. Now, their innocence is her opportunity. He has your eyes, you know. Do you really think so? Their trust. Peyton's been great. Passion. 
I don't know what we would have done without her. Is her weapon. If something happens to my mommy, you take care of me. Of course I would. And their destruction. There's only one woman for me. That's all you need. Her triumph. When your husband makes love to you, it's my face. He sees. Get out of our house. She's turning at me, Michael, just like you said you were. Call the police. Claire, calm down. You don't know what she's capable of. Anyone can have an accident. Michael? What goes around comes around. Mommy! The hand that rocks the cradle is the hand that rules the world. To my family. The hand that rocks the cradle. Can I tell you something? I enjoyed this movie. What? Yes. I know it's one of those movies like I knew I know it's a bad movie. I, and I know, like, the acting is terrible. And I know that the storyline is for shit. But I enjoyed this movie. This yeah. is another movie where the, every single line is delivered like this. Yeah, I, 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 I am with you. And I'm not going to sit here and argue that it's actually a good movie. But I was I was vested in this movie from start to finish. All right, so I'm going to run down. I, I was sucked in a little bit, too. I'm not going to say like you. It wasn't a good movie. It wasn't great by any means, but I was invested because I, I had to see how it played out. I was all stressed out. This is another movie that stressed me out the whole time. Eric, I'm going to mow my lawn next week. If you want to come over and watch no, it, you'll be this entertained, is not the too. Same. This movie was entertaining. I'm sorry. You guys suck. If, this movie sucks. I didn't have... I have, like, four notes of this Kevin whole movie. Kevin has no emotions. You can't touch on his heartstrings. That's not true. It's not even that. I just think you're not willing to, like... You're not, you're not willing to enjoy something that's that's bad. I wow. love no, a bad movie. He loves movie. bad movies. <laughs> he just Dude, doesn't I'm like the, this type of bad movie. I'm the biggest Miami Connection, The Room, Bloodsport, uh, Out for Justice fan that there is. These are all terrible uh, movies, all but right. they're fun, terrible movies. This is just I. This is I've seen this movie before because I half remembered parts of it, and I have. Virtually no recollection of this movie. That's what this movie this is. This movie is nothing but problems when you really look look at it, at, even with the the, the, the finest, of, not the finest, like the, the broadest of microscopes. But yeah, like, yeah. I just couldn't help but get like, first of all, Solomon, what a great character. I hold up, let, let's just go in order. All right. I'll, I'll run it down quicker than last. Annabella Sciorra plays Claire Bartell. She's from Internal Affairs, so that should tell you where we're at. Well, she's also from The Sopranos, and she plays uh, Tony's girlfriend, the one that from the car dealership. Yeah, she's uh, she's in Cadillac Man, Jungle Fever, Find Me Guilty, Vin Diesel movie about the mob. It's really good. Watch that one. Matt McCoy plays Michael Bartel. He has 115 acting credits, and I couldn't find one thing that I knew him from. I was about to say, that blows my mind that he has that many, because he was awful. Rebecca DeMornay, who I feel like she had a better career than she actually did. She played Peyton Flanders. She was in Risky Business, Backdraft that we did, Three Musketeers, which is fan favorite, the movie Identity and Chris, what else was she in? She's in the opening scene of Wedding Crashers. And I was adamant that she was not, and you were right. So yeah. I take the loss there. Uh, we had Julianne Moore played Marlene Craven. This is her first real movie. She was in The Fugitive, Assassins, Lost World, Kingsman, Hunger Games, Big Lebowski, Boogie Nights, Magnolia, Hannibal, a bunch of others. This is a woman that deserves recognition. Talk about a late 
late career, yeah. late, late in her life, Not career young, right? woman. Like I would have thought this. I, I thought Julianne Moore was probably Julianne Moore at this point. Since no? like the '60s or something. That's crazy. And then Ernie Hudson plays Solomon. We know him from Ghostbusters. And yeah. Ernie Hudson was the best role in this entire movie. Facts. I'm just gonna throw yeah, that he out was great. there right now. <laughs> so I have a succinct plot too, and then we could have discussion after her humiliated husband kills himself, an embittered pregnant widow loses her child, and sets out on a mission of revenge against the woman who was the catalyst for her life's downward spiral. Spiral, excuse me. So Rebecca De Mornay playing Peyton Flanders is the woman that lost her husband and child, and Annabella Sciorra is Claire Bartel is the woman that was the catalyst for that because. Uh, the husband from Rebecca De Mornay molested Annabella Sciorra's character while he was giving her a physical checkup for her pregnancy. So then the guy killed himself, and then Rebecca De Mornay spirals and loses the baby, and then loses subsequently loses her mind, and then we're in the story that we're in. <laughs> and none of it makes now, sense. None of it is rational. Now I, I love I, it. I, I check out of this entire <laughs> conversation. You guys have at it. Yeah, so there's legitimately nothing in this movie you enjoyed. No. <laughs> He's stepping away from his microphone. He's so mad. <laughs> you didn't feel any stress about this woman getting into this person's house with, you know, you don't know what she's going to do. Is she going to kill the baby? Is she going to do, you know, you don't know what she's going to do. She's plotting. And the way she plots and schemes and, and lays all these like it just messes with everybody's life the I, whole time. I thought that was pretty good. I I like how bad it was though. Like like every scheme of hers works out perfectly. Yeah. Every scheme is just falls into a. But I liked it like that. Like I don't know. It was so bad that I enjoyed it. No, you you she you both are right in saying that she was very well thought out and executed. My problem was with the family that they were incapable. So, yes, and yes, that's so the oblivious. Problem. She's so she's so clearly strange and should not be allowed near children, but they don't see it. The and woman the woman walks up to her on the street and then in thirty minutes later she's the nanny. Yeah. <laughs> How about the okay. fact that the wife the whole time is crying and com and you can tell she's upset that her whole family's falling apart. And yet she's like, nah, you'll take care of the baby. I'm just going to go build my greenhouse instead of being like, all right, screw this. I'm going to take over and take care of my kid. She's just passive the whole time. And it bothered the hell out of me. A lot of, a, a lot of decisions she makes are just not great decisions. No, no, no mother in her right mind feeling the way she felt wouldn't have taken control and taken her baby back. Right, like the first time the baby doesn't stop crying when she picks her up, but then stops crying when uh, Peyton picks up the baby. That's where the mom would have been like, you know what? It's time for me to be this child's mother again. And, and stop not building build a green greenhouse. House. Right, like it's not like she has to work and needs the nanny for work. Like she's just out back having a hobby. Right, exactly. That was my <laughs> biggest problem with the movie. I'll talk about Solomon. You know, he's the, the oh. handicapped guy they hire to fix the fence. Um, you know, obviously he, they hire him because he's from a company that, you know, gives work to people that have disabilities. And, you know, this guy, he played a great role. He played, you know, he played the role I, I perfectly. I really agree with you on that because he's, he's playing a mentally handicapped man and he doesn't, he doesn't overdo it. And, but he sells it perfectly. The mannerisms, you know, being someone who works in special education and has, you know, an, an aunt who had Down syndrome and all those things and, and work closely in, in in that world. He really has the mannerisms down. He's not overplaying it. He's not he's not making fun of it. He's he's really like holding 
he was making it real. And you know, with that being said, that's the only well acted part in this whole movie. So Julianne Moore. But Julianne Moore's only in the movie for like Doesn't five matter. seconds. The two but, of them, the two of them are the only people that were actually doing something in this movie. Everybody else was di- everybody else wasn't trying. They were just there, yeah. yeah. Especially the Julianne Moore was that was the husband and the wife. They literally talked to each other. Julianne Moore was a character. She was a a personality. The other two were so uptight. It was bland, right? Yeah, it was like these are people that I would never spend time with. Like you are so uptight and pretentious that they they only had they they only had negative character traits. They were uptight. They were pretentious. They were oblivious. They were idiotic they were incapable they only had negative character traits well peyton had a better personality than them and she was fucking crazy yeah um but speaking of the uneasiness though that this movie is able to create right so i know unease isn't a hard thing to do in a movie but they did it really well in the doctor scene when he, when he's doing what he's doing um when peyton first arrives into the house and then breastfeeds the baby and like it's not her child. He, they they were able to make me feel uneasy throughout the whole movie, and everything is so stupid. Let's be real. From her setting up the shovel to hold up in the greenhouse, and then to just assume that that's definitely going to kill someone right. when it shatters is crazy. Um, you know that to the 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 sneaking back into the house and turning on the the alarm clock to draw him down into the basement. I have to figure out how she had to do that. Was absolutely asinine to to him like chasing after her and her hitting him in the face with a shovel and him flying over the railing which was okay i guess but then his wife shows up <laughs> and my favorite line in the whole movie is you have to take care of this i can't move i broke both my legs <laughs> he fell four feet <laughs> he fell maybe four feet yes but but just him saying i broke both my legs was the best part uh, of the I'm whole movie i'm just gonna movie. lay here you take care of this i'm not gonna pull <laughs> myself to a phone i'm not i'm just gonna I'm lay not, here Take a nap. Like, how broken are your legs from that fall? Because I'd argue, like, all right, maybe you got a hairline fracture. You can figure it out. You can <laughs> yeah. still walk. Your like, baby's you in mortal danger. You figure something out, man. You you didn't you didn't get a compound fracture. You're you're not that hurt. <laughs> like like if he had been like, yo, I just got hit in the head with a shovel and I can't feel my legs. Like that would have made more sense. Maybe I got a splinter. I'm out. <laughs> <laughs> you're gonna have to take care of this. All right, come on. Let's get to some categories now because I can't deal with Kevin scrolling on his phone right now because no, he's looking, giving up so hard. I got, look, I got a couple more things. February '92. Keep talking. Go ahead. Go ahead. Right, I, I, I kind of said I want to step back and let you no, guys because Chris, I don't. About, I don't really have anything to say about this movie. I picked up on a couple things with Solomon too. I love the point when he first met Peyton. He instantly sensed yes. like she was the devil. Like you saw him, he was backing up off her. He just I and that laid the groundwork. For Solomon's part, the second he did that, I said to myself, "This yeah. guy's gonna save the day at the end of this movie." Right, because because he got a little paint on her dresser or her shirt or something. Yeah. And all she did was give him one look, and you saw his face, his whole facial expression just changed, and he knew he knew this woman wasn't right. Yep. And how about the mother? What the what was the wife's name? Um, I don't remember the wife's name. Claire. I don't even either, but. She couldn't use the freaking inhaler. She just squirted <laughs> hold on. I'm looking at that she, note. Right. She squirted it in the air and was like. She, yo, if you got I'm asthma like and you either. have asthma that bad, you put that inhaler in your mouth and you suck as deep as you can. She was yes. squirting it in the air and going like, as how, was, how so... is the director? How is the director okay with that? Yeah, like, yeah you got it. It's close enough. Like, yeah, no like, one's gonna have a problem with that. 
I had an inhaler at one point. I'm like, that's not how you use an inhaler. I said, it my notes my actually say. note in the movie. Does this bitch know how to use an inhaler? I wrote, I find Claire's inability to use an, an inhaler quite bothersome. <laughs> <laughs> All right, now I'm done. Now we can go into some categories. So again. I even said, like Kevin said, I said the acting is so bad. Why are they loudly whispering every scene? It was like they were whispering like this. It's they're whispering. You can hear them fine, but they're whispering. All right, are we gonna hit some categories? Hold on, yeah, let's do the categories. I'm ready. All right, let's so the it. the director is Curtis Hansen. Um, he's actually capable. He directed The River Wild. L.A. Confidential. Hold on. This guy directed The River Wild and then put this piece of crap out? L.A. Confidential. He won uh, Best Writing and Screenplay for that movie. And he directed, oddly enough, 8 Mile, which I, yeah. I found weird. but That is weird, but I enjoy 8 Mile. Yeah, it's a good movie. Uh, my my best, best scene? Best scene for me was when Peyton shows up to the school and beats up the bully. That's my worst scene. I love that scene. It was great. Have my some best. composure. That's not how you handle that situation. No, but that's what makes but it great. She's, great. Not, she's supposed to not have composure. That's the point. Yeah. She's crazy. That's the point. You're not supposed no. to beat on a little my, kid. My my other my other worst scene was the where was the way Claire Bartell used the asthma inhaler. Yes, I have that too. Anytime Claire uses an inhaler. My uh, well, Eric, did you say your best scene? No, I did right? not. Um, my best scene was the surprise party after she yells at him, you're screwing my friend. And then she walks in ever just surprised. <laughs> I thought scene. that was funny, but it's so stupid. It's great. My and, best and, scene was, oh, go ahead, no, I'm sorry. No, go, go uh, ahead. My other best scene is the greenhouse scene when, um, her friend gets killed. Not that her friend gets killed is that Peyton's watching from the window, just With slowly nonchalantly eating the apple. Like no big so deal. Weird. Like a true psychopath. No, yeah, I, I like that it. too. I like that. That was, too. that was all right. That was all right. Oh, Kevin my Reeves. best, my best scene is the, the asthma almost death scene. Like there was intensity there when she had Peyton had took all the medicine out of the, the inhalers and she had found Julianne Moore's character dead in the greenhouse. And she's crawling to the, you know, to the door or whatever, and then back outside to get her pocketbook with the inhaler. That was the only time I felt intensity in this movie. Yeah, that last breath, like she kind of, you almost think yeah. she's done. Yeah. Here's my my issue with that, right? Like, I know asthma is like a thing, like a bad thing, but does asthma cause you like an like an asthma attack set off by stress? Is that going to get to a point where it's so bad that you need to be hospitalized and intubated? Like, I don't know. Yes. A, that's a real question, right? I understand asthma makes other things worse. Like I had asthma, but it wasn't like I didn't have like bad asthma like she's supposed to have. What do you want? You want a real doctor's answer I don't know. right now? I'm just, I'm just putting it out there. I'm just putting it out there. <laughs> if please, if, if any in. doctors are listening, please <laughs> yes. call Chris and let him know. <laughs> All right. So worst I, scene I gave mine. A worst scene. So I, I kind of gave, I gave one of my worst scenes. This is the inhaler use. But my real worst scene is when Claire suggests that they go away as just a family. And the husband acts like that's a crazy suggestion. Why are you turning on Peyton? Like, no, I just want to go away with my family. I got to take the nanny everywhere. Like, right. why is that a problem for him? She's we, also- haven't, we haven't suspected the nanny at any other point in this whole movie. But you wanting to go on vacation with just the family, you're out of your mind, woman. Calm down. She's also like the most useless nanny. The girl's in the house all day long. No, she's building her greenhouse. Kind of. Yeah, she's busy with her. Why does hobby. she live there, though? Why does she live there? That's in, the way. Why did they put her? Why did they put her down in the cellar like she was in prison? That's where she like belongs. She was, like she was less than. Like you saw, like the hired they, help lives in the basement. Yeah, that's why. That's right. Down in the base. Get get down in the basement. And you have a bucket, not a subhuman bathroom. animal. You. 
All right, Eric, what was your worst scene? My worst scene's ridiculous, but you know, there's a scene where Peyton in the in the middle of the night is in the refrigerator, and the husband comes down, and she drops the ice mm-hmm. on the floor, and then she picks the ice up and puts it back in the freezer. <laughs> I'll turn the hell out of me. You throw that ice away. It was on the floor. But also, then she's like, can I fix you something? And yeah. like, he has to stop can and I think. fix you this ass? Well, she's, she's stroking the fridge well, uh, when she says that, too. While I was watching this movie, I made so many sexual jokes to myself. It was my the only way I could keep myself entertained. God, this is how yeah, I, I felt about the uh, the the shining through. Yeah, well, shining through was another. Disaster. Wait, you know we met never. Oh yeah, we did. Never mind. All right, best role in mine's either Ernie Hudson or Julianne Moore. It's only Ernie Hudson. Eric. Uh, yeah, Ernie Hudson, man, he he was great. My worst role is the wife Annabella Sciorra. I said everybody else, but if I had to pick, the husband was so useless. She was useless. She didn't. She wasn't even capable. Like at the end of the movie, where the the helpless woman picks herself up by the bootstraps and manages to save herself. Like she she tripped and pushed what's her name out the window. She was she wasn't even successful in saving her own family. <laughs> and to be honest, it was it wasn't even her who saved them. It it was uh. Yeah, it, it was, it was Ernie Hudson, Solomon. Yeah. All right. Most quotable line, Eric. Worst role? Yeah. Thanks. My worst role too was was Claire Bartel <laughs> because the whole movie she's upset about her family and her, everything falling apart, but she doesn't do a goddamn thing about it. She just keeps building her freaking hobby in the backyard. It pissed me off. <laughs> yeah. All right. My, most quotable lines, Peyton. When your husband makes love to you, it's my face he sees. When your baby is hungry, it's my breast that feeds him. Look at you. When push comes to shove, you can't even breathe. That's a pretty good line, yeah. And it fits the movie. It's almost like they set it up for that. And then my my (laughs) other one's polar opposite because it comes from Julianne Moore's character, Marlene. When she goes, she finally figures out at the end who uh, Peyton is. She goes to her assistant cancel my morning and the guy's like but you have a showing what do i tell him and she's like you have a harvard education figure it out <laughs> but can we hold on can we go back to where she figures out that it's peyton and it's the word that's the, wind the worst chimes. she sees it's, wind chimes so there's wind it. chimes on the house that must be it only <laughs> the ex-wife of this man would give anybody win chimes yes yes <laughs> and it has to be the nanny at my friend's house the only person that's ever had wind chimes ever is this woman <laughs> it was so dumb that was pretty bad actually that that's that scene might have had the best line in it when she's showing him the house he's like oh it's got this it's got that then they go in the office he goes ah new carpets because that's where the guy shot himself there was blood everywhere so he, oh, pointed, out, catch that. he pointed out the new carpets uh, my my most quotable line was just uh, Ernie Hudson doing his thing, and when he said, when he had that encounter with her after he saw her breastfeeding the baby, and she threatens him, and she walks away and just goes under his breath, "I won't let you hurt them. They're my friends. I won't let you hurt them." And I just I felt it. I felt it. My my other big problem with movies like this is there's so many scenes where she figures out who she is or or you know that she's the bad person. And instead of just picking up the phone and calling the police, like, I got to get over there. I got to try to get in touch with her. Dude, there's like three or four scenes in this movie where all they had to do was call the cops. Yeah, what, but they, they, like, they put it into the movie as to why they shouldn't. What are the cops going to do? She's gone. I don't know, bro. Maybe have them hang out because this woman tried to steal your family. Yeah. yeah. Like, I'm sure the cops would be okay with coming by for this one. Uh, w- let me ask you this. Was the entire movie dubbed over? 
You know, now that you say it, I didn't think of it, but now that you say it, it might have been. Because none of them seemed to match their emotions at the time. And all the huffing and puffing from the, the asthma, whatever she was suffering from, was definitely dubbed over. I think it, it might have it might have been a lot of ADR. ADR? Yeah, ADR done throughout this movie. Yeah. Uh, would we recommend this movie, Chris? Listen, if you want an actual good movie, no. If you want to, like, I only enjoyed it because I, I'm trying to force myself to enjoy everything I watch, and it was so bad to me that it was good. So I, you go from there. You make your decision. But no, if you're trying to see a good movie. I would not recommend this movie like Chris said. It's not one you're going to tell somebody to go watch. It's a movie that if you happen to pass by, you might watch it. it but no, it's not on my list. No, I say stay far away from this movie. All right, we're into our third season. It's actually coming up on February of 1992, and I can't believe that. So it's uh, I'm pretty impressed by our uh, what is that tenacity? Chutzpah. <laughs> chutzpah. My, my grandfather called it chutzpah. Yeah, so does every other Jewish man. But what are you trying to tell me? That was from the other movie, yes. Coming up in February 1992, we actually have some pretty good movies. We got a little Sylvester Stallone stop where my mom will shoot. Yeah. Oh, nice. We have Medicine Man, which is a Disney film. To the best of my knowledge, that's Sean Connery, is it not? Yeah, I think yeah, he goes to the rainforest right. to find a cure for cancer. Yeah, that was a good movie. We have uh, Memoirs of an Invisible Man, which is either... Uh, Steve Martin or Chevy Chase, I can't remember. It's Chevy Chase. Thank you. And then we have the number one grossing movie of the month, Wayne's World. <gasps> Wayne's Excellent. World. Wayne's World. Party time. Eric. Excellent. Eric. Woo, 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 woo. Eric could not be more excited for oh, Wayne's I World. Love, yeah, no, uh, I can't be more excited for Wayne's World. <laughs> if she fun. were a president, she'd be Abraham Lincoln. The only line I remember from that movie is... Every time she comes around, I feel like I'm going to hurl. I don't know what to do. He's like, I say hurl. If you blow chunks and she comes back, she's yours. If not, it was never meant to be. <laughs> That's a good line to remember, bro. What about your present? You got me a gun rack. I don't have a gun, let alone several guns <laughs> to constitute the use of a gun rack. <laughs> That's great. <laughs> I do remember that. Now I can it. quote this movie all day long. Swing. Nice. Good. So you lead the conversation on it next time. We we can switch you with the, with our new. What? We lost oh, Chris. <laughs> with our new CGI machine, we can take you away to Honolulu. Come on, I want to lay you. Or we can whisk you away to Delaware. Hi, I'm in Delaware. <laughs> All right, that wasn't that good. It just says, don't know if you see the scene. If you know the scene. I'll let you know how I feel about it when I watch it. It's a great line. Will Kevin like this movie coming next time? (laughs) This is a toss-up because it could go either way. Not a Dana Carvey fan. No, but this is Dana Carvey's Garth. It's like his only good thing. It is his only good role, correct? All right, everybody. Thanks for listening, and we'll see you next time. If you're going to spew, spew into this. (laughs) All right, we'll leave it at that.